you know, I almost didn't tell anybody what I did if I wasn't talking to a customer because I didn't want, I didn't want people to find out what we were doing. And once we started having some success, some of the, the commercial people would look at it. And to your experience, when you had somebody tell you they couldn't build them for what we built them for, you know, when you lay when you layer on a general contractor and you layer on commercial trades and big trades and you know the the numbers just don't work. Welcome to XN State. Where's the greatest opportunity in real estate today? That's what I need to know. We'll hear from industry leaders with boots in the ground and skin in the game. Who's winning? How are they winning? Stick around and we'll find out right here on XN State. Hello and welcome back to XN State. This is your host, JCQ. Today we welcome Steve Hextel to the show. As vice president for Southern Home Builders, Steve spent the major part of the last decade leading the company's expansion into the Texas market with what was a new product at the time, the office condominium, a venture that not only led to great success, but also resulted in countless valuable lessons and insights, which we dive into. Today, Steve Hextel has his sights set on exciting new ventures, both through his property management company called The Houston Office Company and through a new development company called Tenant Developers, conceived to seize opportunities within the office condominium space and beyond. In today's episode, we dive into what exactly is the office condominium product, what makes it unique, why it flies under the radar, and why it works. We discuss marketing, storytelling, the significance of knowing your customer. We discuss managing trades and construction costs. We discuss the main attributes to consider when looking for land for development, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of XN State. Without further ado, here is today's guest, Steve Hextel. Steve, welcome to XN State. It's a great pleasure to be speaking with you here today and have you on the show. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, Jorge. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me, and uh, I look forward to our chat. I do. I do as well. Why don't we begin, Steve, by hearing about your career in, in real estate and how you got started in real estate and what ultimately led you to SHB and to the very successful developments that you did with the company? Sure. Glad to. Originally, I'm from the uh, Chicagoland, Illinois area, and I got out of college, and I uh, was one of the worst winners ever up there, and I decided to, uh, I needed to move somewhere, so a friend of mine moved to Texas, uh, my first time in Texas, and um, I did a couple things here, and then I got the opportunity in San Antonio to work for a guy that, a developer that had bought a defunct residential condominium. And was converting it into um, like a lifestyle center with amenity and club facility, tennis club facilities. And that was my first exposure to real estate. And I really was fascinated by it. And so I jumped into the residential real estate world and did that for a number of years. And then I was fortunate in the early 90s to get an opportunity to go work for a large master plan community developer called Dell Webb. And they do the 55 plus Sun City brand. And I was part of the, the group that started the first non-Sunbelt uh, four season in the Chicagoland area. And that was a lot of success with that and stayed with them for 10 years. And I was given an opportunity to join another master plan developer in California named Shea Holmes, and they do a trilogy brand. And worked my way up through vice president of sales and marketing, through uh, general manager, every vice president. And then the downturn happened and in 09, and basically the, the industry just disintegrated to uh, about 20% of what it was. Yeah. So I was, I was uh, just by chance, I was talking to somebody and they knew of a developer out of Shreveport that 
was interested in doing a new product in Houston. And having lived in Texas before, I was in Arizona at the time. I flew out and met with them, and it was an opportunity to do an office condo project in the woodlands. And um, woodlands generally didn't do, you know, sell land, but something happened in their um, in their uh, corporate structure at the time that they they allowed us to buy five acres. And so I came on board in um, April of 2010, really just myself. And it was it was quite an experience because previously I had. I was the general manager of a large community that had golf and lifestyle. And so ultimately, directly or indirectly under me, I had 70, 80 employees. Well, I was the only employee for the first year, and it was magical. It allowed me to just totally disengage from all the other responsibilities of senior leadership and get down and, and go to the county and you know apply for permits or meet with the architect and to help design a product. And all the entitlement process, all of the development process, all the tree surveys, you know, all the things that you had to do, design the collateral material. And fortunately, my wife is Angela, who does, has got a, a career in marketing. She was there to support this new division with our branding and our collateral and all of the uh, marketing stuff. And it was just me. And then after almost a year, I hired a project manager to build them. And we started off with our first project in the woodlands. It was 40 a uh, five-acre tract, 40 units. A five-acre tract? Five-acre tract, okay. yes. It was five acres, and it was 44 units. It was 11, un- 11 buildings. And it was, I didn't know what I was really doing. I just went by my gut instincts on a number of things. I did find that one of the important things is I got to know the Woodlands is a very tight-knit business community, very successful. It didn't really have a huge downturn. And I got out and met everybody the Chamber, Business Economic Development Council, everybody I met with, attended all the meetings, all the functions. And I got to know a lot of really keyed in people, as well as our architect was a a local architect that had been in the business here for a while. Our attorney was a local attorney that had been in business here for a while. So they knew all the ins and outs of operating in the woodlands. And I had a lot of people tell me how difficult developing in the woodlands was and how stickler for details and and they really, there was a lot of complaints towards, you know, like, beware, you know. And I found just the opposite. I, I found that more importantly, that the woodlands was, they, yeah, they were difficult. We had to do tree surveys. They, they were very important items that you had to have on your checklist that you followed, but they were very consistent and they were very fair. And as long as you played by the rules, you were fine. And we played by the rules, the project or the yeah. And I'm sure it helped that you were able to put the pieces together of your team. You you mentioned you built a team yeah. around you who already had experience with a lot of things that you didn't. Can we, Steve, go back to the, you mentioned uh, this company in Shreveport brought you in to kick off this new division, developing a, a new product. Can you tell us a little bit more about this product, what it was and what it is right. about it that made it, that made it new at the time? Yeah, the developer in, in Shreveport is a company called Southern Home Builders, and they're a, a small, well, not small, but it, they do about 120 to 150 residential units a year. Well, they uh, the owner had a brother that found this concept of office condos down in Florida, and they brought it up there, and, and the owner was driving through the woodlands one day with a college friend of his and said, we should do offices here in the woodlands. So we I had a base floor plan of what had been successful, but in Shreveport, they were selling the product for $170,000. Well, 
And it was very residential, you know, residential windows, residential doors. What what is the office condominium products? I think a lot of people, even within real estate, don't really, or it's tough to picture the product when you hear office condominium as as easy as it is for us to picture it because we've been around it for a while. Most people haven't heard of the term before. Okay. It's basically the base product itself. There's variations of it. But the base product itself is a 5,000 square foot rectangular building. And in that 5,000 square foot, you, you divide it up into four condominium units. And they're, and each one of them are 1,225 square feet. They, as I said earlier, that can be expanded. It could be two-unit buildings, three-unit buildings, five-unit buildings. But the, the bread and butter is the four-unit, 5,000 square foot building. And it's treated just like a residential condominium. And where the owners own what's called the sheetrock in, and then the master association owns the exterior of the buildings, common areas, everything else. And just like a residential condominium would, where you would pay a CAM, a community association management fee, or some sort of maintenance fee, that, that it's managed by a nonprofit, well, the management fee is a matter, but the, the association is a nonprofit, and it's managed by a professional management company that takes care of all of the exterior needs and budgets and all the insurance and everything else that goes with it. The benefit of the product is for the small entrepreneur, they can afford to buy an office product, a commercial office product, without going through the expense of acquiring a parcel of land, hiring an architect, hiring a builder, building their own, their own building. They can come in for a, a reasonable cost and acquire a ownership and in in, in something that if they have a business that they can certainly if they decide at some point sell their business or if they just want to make sure they're not they're investing in something and not getting the tax benefit and not paying rent and a lot of places developers will build class a office spaces and rent out space in that unit or that building but there's no ownership of that and it's very difficult to get ownership if you're a small insurance person or you know architect or you know an accounting firm it's the same appeal that a lot of people see in home ownership, right? But applied to commercial real estate. Yes, absolutely. And um, the condominium aspect of it is a little different than residential home ownership, and but that allows a um, affordability for ownership that you generally wouldn't get if you were trying to do something. What is the a typical range of cost for a twelve hundred twenty-five square foot unit? There's a couple factors. There's land costs is a big factor in it. And then the level of uh, fit and finish you want to provide for these. As I said earlier, we were selling them in Shreveport for the upper 100s, 170, 190. But it had a lot of things in it. When I did the first project here in the Woodlands, we were guided by the Woodlands Architectural Committee. And that was the best thing that ever happened to our introduction into Houston because we were forced to build a nicer product than we were building in Treeport. And that included the exterior materials. It included the look of the exterior, included the commercial windows. We did six-foot commercial windows around all the windows versus a residential window or a commercial double front doors. And then the interior levels were upgraded. And so we were able, when we first, when we first came here, we were selling in the mid to upper 200s. And then now they're selling anywhere from 285 to 325, depending on where you are in the marketplace. 
And so it, it provides a, you know, a, a big swing. Land costs, like I said earlier, was the biggest uh, determining factor of the cost on these things. But at that cost, it allows a lot of people, especially small business owners, to be able to own their office, which to some yeah. is, is that has a lot of appeal. Yeah. And again, it, there's a number of people that told me that, you know, in 15 years, they want to be able to sell their insurance business or their real estate business or their accounting business. And they wanted to have a piece of property to go with it because if they sell their, their book of clients, they want their, you know, the, they're obviously the clients are going to want to know, have familiar location to go to and, and a continuation of the business. So for a lot of reasons, financials, one of the earliest things that I discovered was, you know, when you're dealing with business people versus residential, residential, the schools are important. And, you know, there's a lot of other factors that go into uh, a purchase decision. What I found is when you're when you're selling to business people, the, the things that were important were, you know, is this going to be a good investment? Is this going to be is this an area that's growing? Is this an area that my clients are going to have easy access to, and remember where we are without you know going downtown or parking in a parking garage and riding an elevator? This was all just an important factor for the people that were thinking about why this is a good investment. And um, once once we described really why we bought a piece of land or where we bought it mm-hmm. and the reasons why we bought it. People seem to understand that pretty readily of, of why it was a good decision on their part as well. Yeah. You were talking about something that makes this product really unique is the fact that it's a combination between residential and commercial yeah. in several ways. And yeah. in, in what ways? Well, that was, you know, you kind of discover some things. I often tell people when I moved from Arizona to Texas, my IQ went up 100 points. Uh, I didn't get any smarter. Just the market was sounder here and, and more resilient. But what, what we did is we, we wanted to make the product not feel just overly commercial. You know, at the same time, it was it is a commercial office. We wanted to have that professional feel. But we wanted to make the interiors and in that feel a little less intimidating, for the lack of a better term. So we, you know, we we did eight foot doors on the insides, but they're and they're nice doors, and we did, but we didn't do like glass block, and we didn't do a lot of really formalized stuff in the inside. So we we kept it looking residential, you know, like really simple cabinets. Um, there's a small kitchenette area in these things, and you know we had granite tops, and you know you know stainless steel sink, you know there was just there was, but it wasn't really ornate over the top. What I found is. Things like the kitchen, people don't use them. They, they go in and microwave their meal and they go back and sit down in their office. So there was just things that we emphasized. And even on the outside, and we, when we first started, there was a lot of architectural detailing on the outsides of the buildings that slowly we moved some of that off the outside and moved it to the inside with some added trimming. You know, add trim material in the right location really does add a lot of quality feel to it. And... Um, so we shifted some of the expenses of the building itself to the inside where we felt it was more appreciated. And, um, and it was, so we, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, some of those decisions were right. And we listened to people as we, um, and I give another example is when we first got here, one of the, our competitors, and there really wasn't a lot at the time, again, my IQ, there wasn't a lot of competitors, but one of the, the one competitor here in the woodlands did, offered a fairly extensive wiring package you know, Cat5 wiring and every, you know, every office. And they thought that that was a competitive advantage. But when I talked to the wiring company, 
uh, the security company that did the wiring, they said they half the time they ripped the wiring out because everybody's got their own setup. And, you know, at the time we were using cell phones and, you know, had a Wi-Fi set up in the front office and we're using our cell phones for the first couple of years. And so we, we didn't offer, you know, wiring packages to anybody because we just felt that that was something that was so personal and so specific to an individual company's needs that we would be chasing our tail trying to satisfy that need. And it really wasn't something we had the expertise in. So we just offered conduit drop downs in the walls and, and then let them do whatever they wanted to do after market. And it worked out really well. Something that you, that I immediately noticed when I first met you uh, probably uh, a while back is how well you understood your client, your buyer, and how all of the decisions that you make for your product, they're based on your awareness of what they want. Similar like what you just mentioned, yeah. right? Another very important component that we also learned along the process of familiarizing ourselves with the office condominium product is that for the buyer of this product, something else that's very important is cost savings, right? So that's something that they also value a lot. So it may be more important for them to save something here or there than the, for example, for this wiring package, for them, the savings were probably more important. Right. You know, your target audience is small entrepreneurs. And as I mentioned earlier, I was the guy for the first almost year. And then for the first several years, I sold every unit, at least every unit we had. And even towards the end, uh, before I retired, I was the salesperson. It just so so I met everybody. I talked to everybody. I, I knew why somebody wouldn't buy and if it wasn't right for them. And so being that intimately involved yeah. in every step of the process. Exactly. I got to know, and I, I had a, again, previously I had a you know, VP of sales and I had a sales manager and I had 15 salespeople and I very rarely got that opportunity anymore because I was layered up through the management structure, but it was wonderful. I had the most fun getting to know, and again, you're, you're dealing with other business people. They're, they're just, they're, you know, it's, it's a Monday through Friday job. It's they're there during their business hours and they respect you for, for years and and once again, as I said earlier, I, I explained why we bought the land, what our business model was, and people people got it, you know, and they were on board really easily. But, you know, our business was set up, it was very, we didn't do a lot of changes. We didn't, you know, we weren't a custom home. We just didn't have the staff. You know, it was me and Philip was our project manager. And then eventually we hired an office, sort of an office manager to make sure all the, the closings happened in the sales contract packages were tightened up and everything else. But when you're that close to everybody, you, you really understand what's important. And, mm-hmm. exactly. you know, and, and then if you explain to them why we don't do a lot of changes, we don't have an architect on staff, but it's going to, and people would go, okay, I understand that now. We're not, we don't need changes. First of all, the product was really good. The floor plan was outstanding. And so there, there really wasn't a need to structurally change a lot of things. But once people saw it and they understand why we did things and they knew like I knew, it was like every every penny counted. We didn't have a lot of staff. Right. We, we watched things very carefully. Our cost, and they they appreciated that because they knew that savings was going to be passed down. Mm-hmm. So because you had a, that direct contact with the prospective buyers, you were the one selling them the units. It was very easy for you to make business decisions and development decisions because you knew firsthand what it is that they were looking for. You understood 
their yeah. needs and their perspectives very well. And to your your last point, you were delivering oftentimes turnkey units, essentially ready to go. And that's something that these tenants are also looking for. They don't want to worry about tenant improvements. They don't want to wait two months for their unit to be delivered. They want to save money and they want to move in quickly. And you understood that you knew what they wanted and you were able to deliver a standard product. And by making it standard, when you make a product very standard, you can make it for less expensive, right? Well, you're, there was a period in time in residential home building where everybody bid, did big design studios and and they you know, it was a revenue source. But what I think people finally understood is, I certainly did, was people don't like to make a lot of changes. They don't like to meet with architects. They're so afraid they're going to mess it up. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, early on we had design packages that we had, I had a professional do. So here's the carpet, here's the cabinets, here's the granite, here's the... You know, here's a tile, and that's really all the choices you get. And so people, and we kept those selections very limited, but they were upgraded. And then once people realized, it's like, okay, I'm not going to screw this up, and I'm getting good quality product. It's not cheap carpet. It's second or third level upgrade for included. And then they that the design process became very simple. And then when you simplify that process, when you go out to the trade market, and you're you're recruiting trades. You have to find people that are are really the most value trades out there, and you can get them to do your project if you pr- promise them consistent delivery of available ready units for them to get get in and get out of, and then limited customization, so they can get in and get out and you know do volume with you, and they, that way allows them to keep their costs down. And they can pass those savings along to us, which again, in turn, we can pass along to the to the end user. So yeah. there's there's it's just a you know it's a simplified process, but yeah, nothing was short changed. It was all very highly high quality product. It just was very limited in what changes you could make. Yeah, and again, once you explain that to people, they go, okay, I get why you're saying no. Yeah, and and you put a lot of different pieces together that ultimately created your end product. And for example, I remember when we were first looking to build product of this kind and we were speaking to contractors and when I told a contractor what you build your product for, he told me it's not possible. Yeah. He said, it's, it's, it's not possible. There's no way. And, but there is a way once you start putting all of these different factors together and you combine the experience that you had before moving to Houston and home building and combine it to deliver a commercial quality product, you're able to do some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, well, thank you. It's an ongoing process. As as anybody know that builds anything, construction costs are an ongoing management process of exploring, looking at trades, writing other projects, you know, construction sites constantly with your business card out, looking for, you know, different trades that can come in and competitively bid working really hard to keep the costs in line. And then, you know, we had our AC company is still there. Our plumbing company is still there. You know, our site development company, you know, the electrical company, they're all been, were with us throughout the, and they're still with the company. So there was areas that we really were, we knew that we had to have quality long-term people because of customer service calls, especially on the air conditioning in the summertime. Labor, you know, sheetrockers, framers, 
those you just get out in the field and find somebody that you know wants to take on some more work and then and again it's up to you as a as a developer builder to provide them with a ready workplace when they show up that they can get in and make their money the materials are there the place is clean and it's ready for them and they can get in and get out and um it's the same process again and again right all you can't let up on i mean it's it's like anything else it's your it's like you know looking for land you know you're kind of just some some constants on it and you're always and then if you have to go hire a less experienced framer well then you just spend more time with them in the field teaching them how to frame it efficiently and correctly. So they're not coming back doing makeups and, and repair, you know, mm-hmm. losing money every time they get back in the truck and come back out to the same job that they should have finished a week ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to discuss a couple other virtues that, that we see in this product. One being it's a product that I've heard you talk about how it's in your experience has fared pretty well during recessions or during recession-type periods in, in Houston particularly? Is, is that what you've seen? And, and do you know why that is? Again, this is Texas. So there's a reason why, you know, we're in Texas, you know. But in 2015, we had an oil downturn. And unlike a lot of oil downturns in the past that really crumbled Houston and Texas, I think Texas is in, in Houston in particular is much more diverse with their economy now, with the health industry and several other things. So when we had that, when oil went down to 15 or 20 bucks a barrel back in 15, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I got a couple projects underway and I got a couple ongoing. And and what happened was that a lot of people got laid off in the oil industry and they started their own oil companies. Mm-hmm. And we ended up having some of our best sales months, mm-hmm. especially with, we had a couple projects, we had some standing inventory and we blew right through those. Yeah. And it was a lot of people from an entrepreneurial standpoint saying, "Okay, I got to, I got to buy out. I'm, I'm no longer, and I'm going to start my own company." And so, and that rebound once oil rebounded, you know, that stabilized. But our our basic positioning story, if I want to tell it, is I bought, I always bought land near dense, high income, wealth residential areas, and they're all over Houston. They're all over everywhere. And then I always bought it fairly convenient to a large interstate system. And hopefully all the people that were living in that affluent residential area got on that expressway and sat in traffic for an hour and a half and drove into the city and then had a park in a parking garage and walked 15 minutes to the elevator, wait for the elevator, go up to your office and then realize your cell phone's in the car and you got to you know make it the trip back. And that was the basic story. I, I told that story hundreds and hundreds of times. And because I was explaining why our location and our business model made sense and people would just go, yeah, you're right. And so our positioning was really the marketing and sales message, the position of the community and our product and all the benefits and everything else, but also that you can park in front of our, one of our units and walk in and you forgot your cell phone in the car. You could be back in the car and back in the, in your office in 17 seconds versus Mm -hmm. 20 minutes. And those are the kind of stories I told that explained why our business was located and why our business model was such a way. And, pe- and it just resonated with people. Also, you know, the, um, the people that wanted to work close to their home, went home for lunch, went home for their kids recital at, at the school at two o'clock or just, you know, take the afternoon off or whatever it is or show up late or having it close, convenient 
for their own personal benefit. Then also, finally, uh, if you had clients that came in, it was close to convenient for your for your client base to do it as well. And then finally, the other part was, you know, if they had a, if you had a business that you wanted a satellite location, accounting firm, a chiropractor or something, then you wanted a, a an office near a residential area that had affluence and you know a lot of people. We had a lot of those people that would set up satellites around those places. So um, yeah. the location is important, but also explaining that the business model was equally important to people for yeah. understanding, gain confidence, and why they should join up with us. It's interesting that you've been telling these stories for years to sell your units, but they'll seem to be even more relevant today yeah. after the pandemic. People are trying to avoid elevators, trying to avoid crowded spaces. They're looking for more suburban space. And also to the, the previous point on why it's a product that did well during times of yeah. economic hardship is because people in during those times, they look towards the affordable option for, for office. And this would be the affordable option versus officing at a downtown, for example, or even uh, downtown the Woodlands, for example, they would look at Forest Ridge, which is the product that yep. you developed there. If I was a home builder, I'd be exploring having every home have have not only one home office, but you know multiple home offices or or tandem home offices. But I also think that all those people that stopped working downtown and and was working at home with their spouse, maybe there's you know maybe that didn't work out so well or from a privacy or just get things done or the kids come home for been home for seven months or eight months or whatever. And all of a sudden you realize that the home office isn't the ideal. So we think that given what's, what's happened over the last unfortunate over the last year, it's even more reason to look at our product because uh, it does offer the best of both worlds. You can be close, but you can escape, get away and have some privacy. And, and there's a multiple of people now, if you wanted to, Maybe somebody didn't want to buy their own unit, but maybe they want to lease one of your offices out of your space. I think there's more of those people now, too, is that would also explore getting out of their home office, but don't really want to buy or lease a whole office that you can maybe lease one office out of them, out of your unit to them and recoup some of your expenses. Something else that I like about this product today is the fact that, again, it's not common. There's not a lot of people talking about it as opposed to, for example, multifamily, which, you, for example, here in the podcast, it's uh, most of the guests that we've had are centered around multifamily. Multifamily is what, what we hear and see a lot more often these days, but it's those yeah. same reasons that have made the, the product be more expensive, particularly in markets in Austin. It's land is very competed for those kinds of products. And it's it the, the more attention that a product has, the more expensive it gets. And this is a product that over the years hasn't gotten a lot of a lot of attention and that uh, certain groups have been very successful with, like yourself. Right. When we came into the market in 2010, there was there was one other small had one project. And then there'd been somebody here in town that had that had done a few projects several years earlier, but I think they expanded too fast and the market downturned and they they didn't continue. So we, we had kind of an edge in the marketplace, but I, you know, I almost didn't tell anybody what I did if I wasn't talking to a customer because I didn't want, I didn't want people to find out what we were doing. And once we started having some success, some of the, you know, the, the commercial people would look at it. And to your experience, when you had somebody to tell you they couldn't build them for what we built them for, 
you know, when you lay when you layer on a general contractor and you layer on commercial trades and big trades and you know the the numbers just don't work. You know, you almost have to be you know one or two person show, keeping your costs so low and driving constantly driving your costs and every penny you spend. A lot of people didn't figure that out, and then eventually some other I think residential builders really started paying attention to what we were doing. And then over the last four or five years, there's been quite a uh, uptick in other people doing it in the Houston marketplace. And you know, I, I know Austin fairly well. They, there's been a few more doing it in Austin. They've been doing it there for a little bit longer than other people were doing it here. And there's a big uptick in the Dallas market as well. We have a SHB has a, a division up there that's done very, very well. So it's it finally, the word finally got out a little bit, but I, I did my best. We don't advertise. There was no really awareness campaign at all because we knew who our target audience was. You could look in the yellow pages and look up accountants, you know, swimming pool you know, companies and, you know, none of it can be retail, but it's all small entrepreneurs and directly attorneys. You know, you can you knew who our initial target audience was. And we either through direct mail or or some other, you know, buying mailing lists or, or the broker community, we knew who uh, who we would go after. Yeah. And so we kept the public awareness relatively um, on the relatively low key, low. even on a public yeah. relations. We didn't do much on that. We didn't want uh, and you can yeah. go to that. You can go to the uh, Economic Development Council or the Chamber in any one of the cities we're in, and and meet meet everybody you need to, you know, initially talk to. Yeah, yeah, because you were building them and selling them, and on on to the next project. And another great thing about this project is the fact that it can be built in phases. Yep. So if it's a a ten building project, you can be, you can do a first phase of three or four buildings, and then as you sell them, build them subsequently, yep. and then move on to the next project. So it's a a great project to be rolling uh, yeah. from one to the next. And you know, and I don't overstate this, but we had a really good brand. We established we knew early on on our first project that our our website, our collateral, our image or you know just a, the logo everything had to be really first class and uh and well done and then we stayed very consistent with that but then you get into when you do a really good job and, and i'm not patting myself on the back but we, we do a good job or did a good job well then you get referrals and then you start asking for referrals and you don't pay for referrals you just ask people and then people would recommend other people or we'd open a new project and we always had a, a fairly aggressive pre-sale strategy and we'd reach out to all the people that had bought from us before that it said either you want to invest early on and save some money or do you have anybody that you can recommend? And so you can set the stage for early success in these in these developments. And then, you, to your point, you do the first phase and one day there's nothing there. And, you know, three weeks later, there's three buildings up and people drive by and they go, what what's that all about? And you tell mm-hmm. them, well, they're all sold. Then That's your momentum a, yeah. starts, you know, and then you're off. Then you've got a successful and then you can raise prices and do everything you had to do with it. Mm-hmm. So, and okay. and that's something that I also noticed. You always had a very conscious strategy on how many you were building and why. And sure. you didn't want to get too ahead of yourself. You always wanted to keep some activity going yeah. in order to, for people to get in, ask themselves what's going on. There's sure. new construction here and get excited. So yeah, and none, none of that's I've created. I mean, that's just being in the real estate industry for years. You know, your, your, your place has got to look great. You got to build a good product. You got to communicate, you know, you got to ask for referrals, you know, you, you have, but you have to have a plan in place 
uh, strategy to to execute all of that stuff and and then follow through on it. And um, you know, once it worked a couple times, we were like, "Wow, this is we've got this thing figured out." And uh, and again, the market stayed good. So you know, trying to do this and you know. Las Vegas and the, the the bottom of the housing market in 08 and 09, I don't think it worked, but um, certainly in a town like Houston and, and at least initially in the Woodlands, it worked really, and it continues to work. I mean, it's it's a, it'll work anywhere. It's a, it's a good product and it fills a, fills a niche. And um, uh, if you do it well, do it correctly, you'll be successful. So, so the principle that you mentioned on finding land that you, you mentioned, you look for yeah. properties that are, in close proximity to a busy highway and to a high-end community. As do, do you say that's a principle specific to the office condominium product or in general a principle that you that you look for when looking for land to develop? Yeah. Our, our business model was, it was a lot easier again in 2010, 2012, because we were just coming out of a slowdown and, and I bought some land that, my goodness, I can't believe <laughs> I got it. I wish I would have bought a lot more at the time. But um, I didn't know. I was, you know, we were happy with our success. The, the, you know, the, the, one of the key tenants is, is I always look for land. I drove, if I went to Katy from the woodlands, I would take a different route. I would take a back road. I would take my notepad and my camera. And I was always looking for land. And then if I, you know, I had a a broker I worked with that we had helped us find a couple pieces. And then if I found some some areas that I liked or some land I liked, I'd send it to him and, you know, let him do the hard work, um, follow up on it. But I was constantly looking for land, but you know, you it really, it, 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 you want it to be, I never bought land in like finished area. Like there's one out parcel of three acres that was in a, in a, in a community that had been finished 10 years ago. I, ne- I, I wouldn't buy land there, even though I think a smaller project would probably work well, but it would serve an existing need. What I always try to do is buy land, and here's the crapshoot, you know, try to buy land in up-and-coming areas, but buy it soon enough that it's affordable and you can afford to put your project on there and not too far along that it's too expensive and or it's already all developed out. Because, again, if you're talking to a prospect, a potential buyer, you want to just look at the map and say, hey, you know, there's a new – there's a Starbucks going there and there's a new HEB going there and there's a new – and people go, okay, my investment's protected, and that was the that was the psychological hurdle everybody had to get over. Uh, was that yeah, I'm okay emotionally, I'm and intellectually and everything else. I, this this is a good place for my business, not only from an investment of the the unit, the, you know, the, the space standpoint, but also from uh, my customers going to feel, clients going to feel comfortable coming here, and you know, can they go to lunch afterwards? You know, and it's right up the road. So it was always a it's always a it's never anybody that's in it trying to acquire land. You always know you're not. It's impossible to be good at it or without really putting the work in. And then I'm, you know, I passed on a couple of pieces because I was wasn't really experienced to understand what was coming. And and I wish I would have bought some because that filled right in, or a competitor went in later and did really well. So that's even worse. Yeah. So do you still see a, a solid market for this kind of product or where do you see opportunities in today's market and in the coming years? Yes, to your first part. It's just more difficult because there's more competitors out there. There's some corridors. I can only really speak for the Houston area. There's some corridors that a lot of people of uh, various 
have gotten into or these developers have gotten into, and I think it's a little crowded. I think there's some wonderful opportunities still in Houston. I think you can go in with other competitors, and if you just got a better product or you know how to do it uh, a little bit more strategically, you can you can do well. So no, I think that there's there's that, and Houston's booming, and Texas is booming, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So I think throughout Texas, you know, you could go to Midland and do a small project. You know, you could go you know a number of different locations that it doesn't have to be necessarily in a large metropolitan area. That area between San Antonio and Austin is just filling in. So there's there's opportunities outside of Houston to, to do this. You just have to understand the market and then be prepared to get involved in the market. I mean, that's it's not a satellite type of float in and do it. You've got to join the chamber. You've got to join the Economic Development Council. You've got to talk to people. Yeah. You've, got to, you've got to ride the, the construction sites and, and get to know the trades. Exactly. It's also not a, not a product or you can hire a GC and send off and have a your profits. Exactly, exactly. You have to be there. It's it's a it's a product that's has a ton of potential, but it's a, it's a product that that you have to take that you need to that may be more hands on than others. Yeah. Well, and and like I said, residential. It's you know you're going to go to one neighborhood and there's five builders. And they each got three models and you're going to go, you know, you're going to go visit all models. And, and, you know, it's just, it's a different with us. It's, you know, it's, it, you got to get in and you're going to meet somebody and you got to understand the business. And, and then you got to understand what's happening in the marketplace. So you can, you know, talk intelligently about, you know, not only the investment security of it, but also, you know, the, the uh, for location for your business, depending on what it is. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm sure there's somebody who could probably do it with technology and something else, but. I still think um, uh, being there with the clients, talking to them, and, and watching your costs every day is um, is crucial to this stuff because it can, yeah, you know, fifty dollars, hundred dollars adds up every day when you start spending it on things that you shouldn't spend it on. Yeah, and do you see yourself working on this kind of projects in the in the near future, or what do you see in and and you focusing on? Yeah, well, I've got. My wife and I have got a uh, our investment company where we have a number of properties that we're managing, and um, uh, that's the first priority um, that we're doing that. And also, I've uh, I've been working with a couple of gentlemen, and we've tentatively got a I think a working relationship going on a, a new development company. We're calling it Tenant Tenant Developers, and um, early stages. But we've identified a couple of pieces of land here in the Woodlands Woodlands area, and. Um, I think that there's some opportunities for us to, to do multiple projects here, office condominiums initially, but we've also got some ideas on some other product as well. We think there's, there's some changing in housing that's coming that could be explored and then also retail, commercial, some of the other things. But right now we're, we're I'm focused on doing a uh, my next office condominium project and then uh, we'll see what happens after that. Well, that's exciting. I, I can't wait to hear more about, about that company. And I'm, I'm sure its prospects are are pretty interesting. Well, thank you. We're we're very excited. Um, so, Steve, are you ready for a fire round? Yeah. Perfect. What's the book that has had the most profound impact in your life? Malcolm Gladwell. It's Malcolm Gladwell. Is um, uh, yes, uh, a couple. The Outsiders. No, no, that's his latest one. There's one. I know which one. I think I know. It's the it's the little moving the little parts. It's it's there's that and um, there's one called Blue Ocean. Okay. And Blue Ocean is there's Red Ocean and Blue Ocean, 
And uh, an example of red ocean is the airline industry. The example of blue ocean is Southwest Airlines. Yeah. And so do you want to operate your business in the red ocean, which is they're all, all the sharks are chewing each other up, or do you want to operate over in the blue ocean? Another example is Cirque du Soleil. They, they took the circus product and they took all the good things out of the circus product and defined it into Cirque du Soleil. Top Golf is another that took all the difficult stuff out of golf, time, everything else, and just took the best parts out of golf. So that's called Blue Ocean Strategy. That's, that's another one that I think is, is really smart thinking for how you're going to position yourself because otherwise you're just in there fighting with everybody else and that's no fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for those great suggestions. What's the single most important skill to have as a real estate developer? Have your hands in every aspect of it. Be involved in every aspect of it because you can lose, you can spend vast amounts of money really easily if there's a mistake on the plan, if there's a mistake on site development, if there's a mistake on you know, a customer that you just so you have to understand and know every every penny that's being spent. And it's difficult if you run a big, big one. But if you're small, then you don't have um, you don't have any choice. You got to know where where everything what's everything's happening every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. What's Steve, a real estate trend that you're paying attention to? I have a sister that's in the restaurant business. And we talk often about what this COVID has done. It's decimated the restaurant industry and what's going to like mushroom out of that. I think the other thing is, is when I talk about residential, it's we forced millions of people to work from home and maybe they, they didn't like it at first. And then they were forced to it either zoom meetings or whatever, but they were forced not to not go to the office every day. And I, it, it took that kind of event that I think changes a lot of, way people can view enough somebody could de develop a product or a concept that would allow you if you're going to work from home anyway why not work from home in vermont in the fall why not work from home in florida in june you know why not work from colorado and you know i, I just think that there's some opportunities if you're working from home to provide services either through subscription services or however it can be approached I think there's greater flexibility where people will live their lives and be much more mobile in this country. And um, uh, I think that's exciting to explore what that is and then maybe get away from what I have here, you, you know, is, is a big house that takes a lot of maintenance and maybe you don't need all the stuff you've accumulated over 20 years. Maybe you can get by with a lot less stuff and be much more experience driven than asset driven. You know, you have less things and more more experiences. I think I'm very excited about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a re very real trend, and that's a great way to yeah. put it because because it's this whole pandemic has certainly changed some things for and in, in temporary ways, but certainly some things on very long lasting ways. What's yeah. a parting piece of advice that you have for our audience? Oh, I just think be confident of what's coming. I just think we've had a tough, a tough year, and but this country always rebounds. It's got an entrepreneurial spirit about it that it's it's amazing, and it's going to be fun to watch what happens either through again, mom and pop businesses starting something that'll be franchised in three years, restaurants or whatever. I just think the the work from home. I think the the, the how everybody saved a bunch of money. I haven't paid 
I think we had one dry cleaning bill in the last six months. You know, it's like, you know, I just iron my own shirts. You know, I don't send the stuff out. So I just think that there's an opportunity to be excited about what's coming and jump on as much of it as you can and be positive about it. And and when you talk to other people, be positive about it. We've had enough negativity. Be the positive person in the room. Be the positive person about the future, what's coming, because I do think it's it's exciting and it's going to be great. And, you know, I've got two teenage daughters that I think I'd love to be a teenager in this country right now to see what's coming over the next 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I have to feel that way, but I, I, I do, I really do. Um, I do think great things are coming. Yeah. Well, I, that's a great message to end this interview with Steve. Thank you very much for everything that you've shared with us today. What's okay. the best way for people to reach you if they want to learn more about you or for yeah. whatever reason? Well, my, let me give you my cell phone number. Um, it's 832-683-9430. And then my email is steve, S-T-E-V-E, at T-H-O-C, the Houston Office Company. It's T-H-O-C-LLC.com. So steve at T-H-O-C-LLC.com. And yeah, reach out to me. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from everybody. Perfect. And I'll be reaching out as well to learn more about Tenant developers, because I'm excited about what's what's coming there. Yeah, me too. But thank you very much for everything, Steve. The, okay, the advice has been tremendous, and I've really enjoyed it. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very much. Thank you.